Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board. It is Friday, April 29th. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you on this episode of Best on the Board to get you into a weekend of Major League Baseball betting. It is a Friday night DVR, always a fun, busy night in the baseball world, and uh, I, I like what we're I like what we're offering up here. I, I'm always going to like mine, but uh, I'm feeling yours too, man. It took me a little longer than usual to get there. I don't know what it was about this particular slate that was giving me issues this morning, but I did settle in on three bets that I feel very good about as we head into this uh, fantastic Friday night. Fantastic Friday night. And maybe MLB can take uh, some center stage this weekend just with the way that the NBA playoffs fell. There's only one game. All weekend, uh, between that'll be between the uh, Bucks and Celtics in uh, the, the second round. Game one of their series is coming on Sunday, so I guess uh, if the uh, actually let me let me amend that if the uh, Grizzlies. Uh, Timberwolves series goes to a seventh game, and that will also be on Sunday. But either way, not a ton of NBA playoffs action. NFL draft will wrap up on Saturday, so maybe uh, MLB can uh, can get a little bit of center stage in the uh, sports world. We've got six plays for you on this 15-game Friday slate. I'm going to kick things off, DVR. How do you feel about that? You cool with that? Fire away. All right, I'm going to fire away with the Blue Jays against the Astros. That should be a fun series between these two AL powerhouses. The Blue Jays in this uh, opener are minus 120 against the Astros at home. You say Kikuchi against Jose Urquidy is the pitching matchup in this one. And this is really all about who is pitching for the Astros DVR because it's been a slow start to the year for Jose Urquidy. There is just dark blue all over the StatCast page. Any any number you want to pull out that StatCast tracks, it's bad for Jose Urquidy right now. So basically, all the peripherals are underlying the surface stats that have been poor for him over the first three-plus weeks of the season. And what really puts this over the top for me, DVR, is that you know, we know that Jose Urquidy is not going to strike out a ton of guys. That's been the story of his entire career. You know, even when he has been pitching better than he is now, he's not a guy who strikes out a ton of batters this year. It has gotten even worse. We're talking about a K rate that is just barely in the double digits. And good pitcher, great pitcher, meh pitcher, bad pitcher. If you're going to keep the Blue Jays in any sort of control, you need to be able to miss bats. Because if these guys are making contact, they're going to be making hard contact. They're going to be splitting gaps. They're going to be hitting homers. There's just too many dangerous hitters up and down this order for that not to be the case if you're letting them put the ball in play at bat after at bat after at bat. And that's just been the story of Urquidy's season. So you line up a pitcher like that against this offense, and I'm only having to pay minus 120 on it. I feel very good about it. I'm going to take the Blue Jays on the full game money line here. Yeah, I think Urquidy is a, a mystery to me because I think there are some things that he, he does really well. Control has always been a strength of his. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to his time in the minors, I, I've been surprised at how low the strikeout rate has been. There's one silver lining in some of the underlying numbers so far this season. His fastball velocity is at a career best, 93.5, but it's not way up from where yeah. it was when he broke into the league. Uh, tons of contact so far. And the Jays, as people know, they're among the teams that temper whiffs about as well as any lineup in the league. So aside mm. from doing damage, they put a lot of balls in play. Uh, and this is just a Houston team that's not at full strength right now in general. I think that's something that people are, are losing sight of in a lot of corners right now. So I'm with you on the Jays. I think they are a smart play tonight. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's put the ball in play. We're going to do that a ton. I think we're going to do it plenty hard as well against Jose or Kidi. Let's go to uh, what I believe is the very first game of the day. Yes, indeed. The first pitch uh, of, of Major League Baseball on Friday will be thrown in Pittsburgh. Padres and Pirates getting together for a three-gamer in Pittsburgh. On the money line, the Padres are comfortable favorites in this one, minus 190 against a plus 155 for the Pirates. Not a surprise when you consider the pitching matchup DVR, and that's where you take us. It's you Darvish against Zach Thompson. Yeah, you Darvish. Over 6.5 Ks is where I'm at. It's minus 105 tonight, but the Bucks have the fourth highest strikeout rate in the league, 25.2%. I think about Darvish's 2021 season a lot. There was a late-season fade that... I think has been softened by the fact that the velo has ticked back up. He's about up about a half mile per hour again on his fastball. A lot of the shorter starts we saw from him last year came in that second half after the sticky stuff cracked down, after uh, some nagging injuries I think became part of his season. And if you look at what Darvish is doing with his pitch mix, there's always changes happening there. Right now he's throwing a splitter a bit more. That's working really well. Still mixing five-plus pitches effectively most starts. This matchup is just such a great matchup for him, though, because even even when you look at the Pirates' productive hitters right now, Daniel Vogelback's been their best all-round offensive player. He strikes out a quarter of the time. Brian Reynolds has been in a month-long slump. He's striking out more than 30% of the time to begin the season. He looks completely lost right now. It's basically Vogelback and Brian Hayes carrying the Pirates' offense, and a lot of players that, frankly, are not going to be in big league lineups this time next year. This is a cast of characters like, Five to six players in this lineup are DFA candidates later on this season. Those are the lineups I think you want to take advantage with these loftier K props. So over six and a half, it's always a little bit risky because Darvish could pitch really well and only get five or six Ks and come away with a win and go like six or seven scoreless. That's totally possible. But this is a Pirates lineup that does strike out enough for me to take on that risk tonight. Yeah, there's also always the, the risk that Darvish just doesn't have his command and is is missing the zone and the pitch count runs up but i mean come on we're we're, we're we are really searching for a solution uh, or an answer that doesn't necessarily have a problem attached to it when we when we say that so I feel like that's a pretty comfortable way to go. And as you said, six and a half is always going to be, regardless of pitcher and opponent, one of the higher K numbers that you see as an over-under for obvious reasons. The fact that we're still having to pay a tiny bit on the minus side at 105, uh, it shows you just how strong this matchup is for you, Darvish. So let's lock that one in, you, Darvish, over the six and a half Ks against the Pirates tonight, minus 105. I'm going to go to a total for my next play, DVR. It is in Mariners and Marlins, where we get Matt Brash against Eliezer Hernandez in this one. Seven and a half runs is the total on this one. And I'm going to go over, which also pays out at that same number as the U Darvish Ks, minus 105. I love Eliezer. You know, I like both of these pitchers a lot. There's plenty of reason to like Matt Brash and his future, his immediate and long-term future. Eliezer Hernandez has shown us a lot over his career. He's dealt with some injuries that maybe have him a step back from where he was previously. But there's a lot to like about both these pitchers. I'm not sure how much there is to like about them right now, presently, as they get ready for this Friday night matchup. Eliezer Hernandez has been getting barreled up a ton so far this season. He's in the 14th percentile in barrel rate in the early going this year. He's already allowed six home runs on the season. On the other side, Matt Brash, the stuff speaks for itself, but it seems to be overwhelming him a little bit. Uh, He's having some walk issues 
early on in his career. And the Marlins, if they do one thing very well, they will take their walks. They're sixth in walk rate over these three-plus weeks that we've had of the 2022 season. So what I see is a lot of traffic for both teams and an opportunity for the Marlins and their, or excuse me, the Mariners and their power hitters to get going against a guy who has given up quite a few barrels on the season. Mariners, eighth and Woba this year so far. So over seven and a half runs, I think this one sets up well for these teams to do it. I will say, I think that at least on Miami's side, they're going to have to do it early in the game because we know how good that Seattle bullpen can be once they get uh, beyond Brash and into the pen. So I want to see Miami do things early. That's where I'm worried about this play is that Seattle does their end of the job, but Miami just can't get things going against Brash and then that bullpen dominates to close the game. Uh, it could be you know something like a 5 or 6 nothing or 5-1 sort of matchup for the Mariners, but... I think that with the way Brash has been struggling to, to uh, get in the zone and stay in the zone, that the Marlins and their approach will play well against him. Over seven and a half runs in this game for me. Yeah, I think if, if Matt Brash didn't have the command issues that he has shown in the starts since his big league debut, we'd probably be talking about a, a five and a half strikeout prop instead of four and a half. It's four and a half with like a minus 152 on the over. So <laughs> gives you a sense of just like what yeah. kind of pitcher he has been lately. One of the most exciting young pitchers in the game. But yeah, I, I, I understand the skepticism at this point. He has to prove it. Uh, and the Mariners are, are clearly, they're just one of those teams that's that's on the rise. Like Offensively, there's still some young guys like Jared Kelnick who haven't hit yet. But things are going to fall into place for them, right? Julio Rodriguez looks like he's starting to figure some mm-hmm. things out. Obviously, Ty France is one of the hottest hitters in the game right now. It's a, unbelievable what he has been able to do Uh, but I I do like the over in this case because I like the Seattle offense so much and I think Brash's wildness also gives you a little extra help potentially on that Miami side there we go Marlins Mariners over seven and a half runs Brash one of the bright young exciting stars at the mound in Major League Baseball you take us to a pitcher who is you know not the most exciting not the most young but maybe can get the job done tonight. Cubs and Brewers, a very familiar matchup, this time in Milwaukee. It's Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs and Adrian Hauser for the Brewers. What are you liking in this matchup, DVR? I don't know how I end up either betting Kyle Hendricks props or betting the Cubs when Kyle Hendricks pitch as often as I do. You love the Cubs and you love Kyle Hendricks. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, one of my most vivid memories of being in a sports book, probably one of the last times I was in a sports book before COVID, was uh, there was a Saturday night before the All-Star break. I landed in Vegas, went straight to the book, and I think the Cubs were playing the Padres, and it was the last game of the evening that I could bet on. So I, I, I got my bet in, bet on the Cubs, just a, just a small bet just to be excited about the game. Yeah. And I sat there in the book by myself, drinking a beer, watching Kyle Hendricks uh, just have pitch after pitch fouled off like just it, it, it is he is one of the most difficult pitchers to watch when you have money on him especially just because it it's not overpowering it's it's finesse it's location it's command it's all it's all the things that make someone with an 87 mile an hour fastball viable in the big leagues right so it, it's fine when you're not watching it <laughs> but when you're watching it, it's a totally miserable experience. Uh, so with that, I present to you Kyle Hendricks <laughs> so over three and a half Ks, <laughs> minus 139. I think part of the reason I'm, I'm confident here is just the Brewers are one of those teams that did not fix their flaws from a year ago. That has been crystal clear. It's a team I watch as much as any team in the league. It's borne out in numbers so far. 24.4% K rate this season. It's the eighth highest strikeout rate 
in Major League Baseball. I mean, Jose Quintana was shoving against them on <laughs> Thursday. That happened. Jose Quintana, in the year 2022, was generating swings and misses against the Brewers lineup. I realize with Hendricks being a righty, he gets a few different players in the starting lineup. They'll have Yelich back in. They'll have Rowdy Telez back in. But there's enough swing and miss up and down the Brewers lineup right now. When the number is this low, even Kyle Hendricks can hit it. And I can't tell you how he's doing it right now. Beller, I cannot explain to you how Kyle Hendricks is actually missing as many bats as he's missing early on this season. But he's got 19 strikeouts in 20 to third innings. And I think he was in cruise mode when he was the starter against the Pirates last weekend because the Cubs won that game 21 nothing, even though they lost the series. Amazing. So that was the only game this season where he fell short of three and a half. Seven Ks against the Brewers back in the opener. Four against the Pirates the first time he saw them. Six against the Rays in just four and a third innings back on April 18th. Three and a half looks like a layup, given the circumstances here, given what we're dealing with, even though I cannot explain to you how Kyle Hendricks misses as many bats as he does. Yeah, it's been it's been a mystery of this early season so far for sure. And you know, the minus one forty obviously brings things down a little bit. But I'm I'm still even at even at minus one forty, I'm surprised to see this at three and a half, uh, just because of uh, the way he has been missing bats this season, the way this matchup falls for him, the fact that he's already struck out seven Brewers in a game earlier this season. Like everything lines up for this to be even if you want to bump it to like four and a half and minus one twenty five, something like that. Like I'm surprised that to see this at three and a half, even with the price that's attached to it. So I, I'm totally on board with you on this one. Give me Hendricks to go over the three and a half Ks as well. All right, DVR, one of the great series going on this weekend is taking place in New York. It is Phillies. It is Mets. And tonight, a great pitching matchup. Aaron Nola against Tyler McGill. The Phillies, as great as McGill has been, as great as the Mets have been this season, still a little surprised to see the Phillies as tiny underdogs in this one. Plus 105 on the money line. The Mets are minus 125 on the money line. What's your play for Phillies and Mets? Taking that little bit of value on the Philly side, just the Phillies on the money line, I think Nola is a better pitcher than Tyler McGill. And as much as I think Tyler McGill's step forward early on this season is a really encouraging sign for the Mets, even though I think that's going to lead us to value throughout this season, I think the matchup for him against the Phillies lineup is just a tough matchup. This is a team that's going to score plenty of runs. They can do damage on any swing. This is a critical series. It'd be a more critical series if we're talking August or September, but it's important because these are probably yeah. the two. These are two of the three clearly like best teams in that division. It's going to be a tight division all season. It's going to be kind of a playoff atmosphere for an early season rivalry series like this. Uh, but I think the key difference for me, Nola's got the curveball working right now. When the curveball's working, it's his best pitch. He can get whiffs with it. Uh, opponents can't do a lot of damage with it. I think that's going to be uh, huge for him. And I think it's it's just one of those matchups where it's almost a coin flip. And I just see enough value on the Philly side where there's just, there's a little that separates these teams. The only reservation I have about the Phillies and betting them for a, a full game, I still don't know if they've fixed their bullpen. I think their bullpen might be a little better than it was in 2021, but I'm still not sure it's a playoff caliber bullpen. So that's my only hesitation when I look at them from a full game perspective. Yeah, I hear you on, uh, on that. This one is not over till it either it's over. Or if the Phillies are up like 8-1 to one going into the late stages of the game. Other than that, you might be holding your breath until that last out is made for sure. But this is one I consider to ultimately didn't make it. So obviously I'm in, I'm in leaning in your direction even though it's not a play for me. Uh, but yeah, even against this Mets team, uh, an offense that's been hitting very well, believe they're first in the league in Woba right now, um, and Tyler McGill as good as he's pitching, getting plus money on Aaron Nola and that offense is certainly not a bad way to go. 
For my final play of the gay of the day, I'm going to take us to uh, Twins and Rays DVR, and this is going to be a first five play for me. Dylan Bundy going to the mound for the Twins. Corey Kluber going to the mound for the Rays, and the Twins are underdogs on that first five money line at plus one fifteen. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the Twins in the first five here. Corey Kluber, I would say he's basically doing. If the you know if the Rays have realistic expectations, he's basically doing what they would ask of him. You know, some average numbers on the Statcast page, some below average numbers, an ERA that's sitting you know higher than you would obviously like to see it. But if you're being realistic about what Corey Kluber is at this stage of his career, about where you should expect him to be I just think that this is a this for the first part of this game the twins are the better team I understand why on the full game money line you do have the the Rays being favored because of uh, what the Rays can do you know as we get into the later innings of this matchup but I think for the first few innings of this game because of the Bundy Kluber matchup that the twins are just the better team I think Corey Kluber could have his hands full trying to get through this lineup a couple of times and the twins this is something you and I have talked about so much DVR this is just one of those teams that we sort of Uh, inherently trust to do the right thing with their pitchers. And they're doing it once again with Dylan Bundy off to a great start this season. He's throwing more slider. He's throwing more change. He's getting great results with those pitches. And so I think so long as the starters are in the game, the twins are the slightly better team. And obviously with that plus 115 uh, line through the first five innings, those numbers are not reflected in the betting line. So I'm going to take the twins. I do not have any interest in this as a full game bet. But first five innings, so long as we're betting on Bundy versus Kluber, I like the Twins in this one. This is value on the margins, right? I do like the adjustments they've made with Dylan Bundy because I think Dylan Bundy is one of those guys that had a very mediocre fastball that he was throwing too much when things were not going well. So uh, where he lands in terms of his his true talent, there's probably more like a 350 ERA and a, mm-hmm. a 120 whip for us in store at the end of the season. But I don't think Corey Kluber's current skills are going to lead you to home a lot more, much more than that either. So um, I do think this makes sense from a value perspective, with it being a plus 115 on the Twins side for the first five. Blue Jays, Mariners, Marlins over. Twins, first five for me. Darvish over 6.5Ks. Hendricks over 3.5Ks. And, and Phillies with a mini, mini betting line upset over the Mets for you. Our six plays for this 15-game MLB slate to start your Friday. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. For DVR, I'm Michael Beller. Thank you for listening. Good luck. Happy betting. We'll be talking to you real, real soon. See you.